Good morning, Vineyard Christian Fellowship of Yakima. This is Dusty, one of the pastors here. I'd like to welcome all of you today. Uh, we're going to continue on in our Gospel of John. And since yesterday was the 4th of July, at the tail end, I'm going to do a little side journey into what does biblical freedom look like uh, since the 4th of July is about freedom. So let's go ahead and jump into the Gospel. John 12, 37 through 60 is the verses we're going to be reading today. So starting off, Jesus is the way for us to follow. It's not just enough for us to worship God, but we're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is literally all truth, the primary revelation of God's character. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life both now and forevermore. So jumping into John 12, verse 37 through 38 says this, even with the overwhelming evidence of all the many signs and wonders that Jesus had performed in front of them, his critics still refused to believe. This fulfilled the prophecy given by Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our message? Who has seen the unveiling of your great power? And the people were not able to believe, for Isaiah also prophesied that God has blinded their eyes and he's hardened their hearts to the truth. So with their eyes and with their hearts closed, they could not understand the truth, nor turn to me so that I could instantly cleanse and heal them. May that never be the case for any of us. But while we may see, let us see. And may God give us more light May we accept the light of Christ. May we allow his life to inform our life and how to follow God. Let's never be complacent or blind to the working of Jesus in our life or in the life of others. May the Holy Spirit always guide our days. You know, when we can see Jesus working in other people, even if it's somebody that you have an issue with or that you struggle with, um, even if it's a friend or a family member or maybe a church family member who you just have, you have difficulty with sometime. If you can see Jesus in them, if you can see Jesus working in their life, there's something that happens there where you're able to see God in them and it changes our attitudes. It changes our perspective of them. And so may the light of Christ always be our guide. Isaiah said these things, continuing in verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he had seen and experienced the splendor of Jesus and prophesied about him. Yet there were many Jewish believers, or Jewish leaders, excuse me, who believed in Jesus. Because they feared the Pharisees, they kept it secret. So they wouldn't be ostracized by the assembly of the Jews. For they loved the glory that men could give them rather than the glory that came from God. Let that sink in a minute, that scripture. For they loved the glory that men could give them rather than the glory that came from God. How many times do we fall into this same trap as these Jewish leaders? I know I have. I know I have. 
Yeah, you'll still find that many people, even though they don't believe the truth, they don't, they, they believe it, but owning it, like, like they believe the truth of Jesus. They, they believe the gospel. They know, they know the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet, you know, sometimes we just, we, we willingly just put it aside. You know, like we've been given this great light. We've been given this great hope. We've been given the good news. The, the pearl of great price, as I read a, a couple of weeks ago, has, has been placed into our hands. And yet we set that aside sometimes. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Let's always make sure of whom we serve first. May each one of us examine our hearts and our attitudes and our preferences in light of who Jesus is. Let the truth of the life of Jesus and of scripture so fill us. May we be so, so full of the goodness and the graciousness and the love of God that it just that it pours out of us, that we're that overfilling cup that scripture talks about, that, that it, it pours out of us, that we have so much love of God in us that others can't help but see Jesus through our life. Church, let's, let's carry God's gospel. Let's carry the good news of Jesus Christ because it is good news. Jesus is good news. Jesus shouted out passionately, continuing in verse 44. To believe in me is also to believe in God who sent me. For when you look at me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. Thank you, Lord, like, as I was reading this, like, I, I had to, like, do, like, the um, online shout of all caps. I'm like, I'm just, I'm so grateful to Jesus. We don't have to walk in darkness, you guys. We don't have to be in the darkness. Jesus, who is the light, has shown us the way to live and how to treat each other. Scripture says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That should be our, that should be our core principle of our life. That we love God with everything that we have in us. And that we love our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves. Continuing on in verse 47. If you hear my words and refuse to follow them, I do not judge you. For I have not come to judge you, but to save you. If you reject me and refuse to follow my words, you already have a judge. The message of truth I have given you will rise up to judge you at the day of judgment. Guys, Jesus here is giving us a warning. He doesn't have to judge us. He doesn't judge us. Our very actions... And attitudes, he says, will do that on our own, on their own. The truth of who we are and what we are about judges us. I want to read that again. If you hear my words and refuse to follow them, I do not judge you. For I have not come to judge you, but to save you. If you reject me 
and refuse to follow my words, you already have a judge. The message of truth that I have given you will rise up to judge you at the day of judgment. And I wanted us to look at Matthew 25. It's where Jesus talks about the day of judgment. So Matthew 25, starting at verse 31, says this. When the Son of Man appears in his majestic glory, with all his angels by his side, he will take his seat on his throne of splendor, and all the nations will be gathered together before him. And like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, he will separate all the people. The sheep he will put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, You have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you before the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I had no place to stay, you invited me in. When I was poorly clothed, you covered me. And when I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food or something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and come visit you? Then the king will answer them, don't you know? When you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated your love for me. Then to those on his left, the king will say, leave me for you are under the curse of eternal fire that has been destined for the devil and his demons. For when you saw me hungry, you refused to give me food. And when you saw me thirsty, you refused to give me something to drink. I had no place to stay, and you refused to take me in as your guest. When you saw me poorly clothed, you closed your hearts and would not cover me. When you saw that I was sick, you didn't lift a finger to help me. And when I was imprisoned, you never came to visit me. And those on his left will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and not give you food or something to drink? When did we see you homeless? or poorly clothed? When did we see you sick and not help you or in prison and not visit you? Then he will answer them, don't you know when you refused to help one of the least important among these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you refused to help and honor me. And then they will depart from his presence and they will go into eternal punishment. But the godly and beloved sheep will enter into eternal bliss. See, it's our own response to the gospel that Jesus brought to us. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. And to love our neighbors, the least of these that he was talking about. To love the least of these as ourselves. Jesus didn't came to judge. He came to save. It's our own actions and it's our own response to the truth that he brought that judges us. So I would ask each of you today, as I asked myself as I was reading this, 
Where do I stand? Where do I stand in God's kingdom? Have I been doing what God has called me to do? And if not, how do I need to change? Continuing on in verse 49. For I'm not speaking as someone who's self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself who sent me and who instructed me in what to say. I know that the Father's commands result in eternal life. And that's why I speak the very words I've heard him speak. Jesus says again, I know the Father's commands result in eternal life. And that's why I speak the very words that I've heard him speak. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm going to continue to say it. Jesus is the greatest revelation that we have of the character of God and who he is. And that's why it's so important for us to examine the life and the words of Jesus Christ. I want to go into a short foray as I kind of foreshadowed in the beginning of my uh, talk today um, about what freedom is and is not according to scripture. Freedom is not having everything we want and doing everything we want. Rather, it's being okay to be able to go out with, without those things. Like, you know, I can have a beer. I have the freedom to drink a beer. If I'm addicted to alcohol and I have to have a drink, that's not freedom, that's enslavement. I make money, I work my job, I have income, I make money. If I have to have money on my mind, if if money is the central focus and intent of my life, I don't have the freedom to have wealth and finances. I'm addicted. I'm enslaved to money. I might be enslaved to my job. And so I set God aside, I set my family aside, in the pursuit of money. That's not freedom. That's enslavement. That's not financial freedom. That's enslavement. If I'm addicted to sex, if I'm addicted to lust, that's not freedom. I'm not, I'm not free. And particularly if that is oppressing someone else. If it's just about me and my needs and my desires and what I want, and that oppresses someone else so that I can get what I want as, as far as how uh, sex and lust goes, that's sin. It's wrong. That's not freedom. That's not sexual freedom. That's addiction. So we need to understand that freedom is not getting everything we want and doing everything we want. Rather, it's being okay to go without those things, that, that self-control, that self-discipline that talks through, all throughout scripture talks about self-control and self-discipline. I have the freedom to say whatever I want, right? My, my first amendment, right? But how many times in scripture does it call us to beware the tongue and that the tongue can be like a sword, that our words can be like a sword, And that when they go out, they're like an arrow. You can't get it back. So yes, I have that freedom. But can I have the self-control to not use it? Or am I enslaved to always getting my way? Am I enslaved to always having to say my piece? 
1 Corinthians 6.12 says this. It's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything that we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. Further on, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24 says this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything's beneficial for you. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Um, I think I've probably quoted this before, but uh, Francis Chan once said, um, sometimes failure means succeeding at the wrong things. Sometimes failure means succeeding at the wrong things. That's what Paul's saying here. I have the right to do anything, but not everything's constructive. Is your freedom causing you harm or causing others harm? Then that's not truly freedom. We're citizens of the kingdom of God first. So as we've just seen from the scripture, just because we have the freedom to do something under U.S. law, for instance, if it comes at the cost of damaging somewhere else, someone else, excuse me, I'm going to be prosecuted by God for that as it breaks God's law, as we just read in Matthew 25. So even if it's legal under U.S. law, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's legal under God's law. And if we're first citizens of the kingdom of God, then our first commitment, our first devotion, our first allegiance must be to God. And so I want you to consider that. Um, U.S. law is not perfect like God's law is. God's law is perfect. The U.S. law is not. Let's take a look at one of those unjust laws. First, we're gonna talk about the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, yesterday, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, God, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God, because of our birth, because of our birthright, because of the imagio Dei that we bear within us, we have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this is codified in our Declaration of Independence. This is part of the founding of our country. Thank God that I'm part of a country that has instilled this in its very beginning. However, is it true? And has it always been true for all of us? This was written in 1776. Let's read about something that happened a little bit later. In March 1857, the United States Supreme Court, led by Chief Justice Roger B. Tanney, declared that all blacks, slaves, as well as free, were not and could never become citizens of the United States. Let me read that again. Would not, were not, and could never become citizens of the United States. This was a Supreme Court decision in 1857. The framers of the Constitution, he wrote, believed that blacks had no rights which the white man was bound to respect, and that the Negro might justly and lawfully be reduced to slavery for his benefit. He was bought and sold and treated 
as an ordinary article of merchandise and traffic whenever profit could be made by it. So if you were a black man or woman, you are no better than this chair that I'm sitting on. You're just a piece of merchandise and traffic. And as a white man, it would be my right to make whatever profit I could off of you. This was US law. So they got around the July 4th, 1776 Declaration of Independence, right? How'd they do that? By making black people an ordinary article of merchandise rather than actual people, rather than people who bear the imagio Dei of God. It was codified in United States law that black people were merchandise, that our black brothers and sisters, our friends, my good friends who I love and care about, at this time, they would have been nothing, they would have just been something to be bought and sold, like a hamburger. No better. Lord, forgive us. We, Chief Justice Taney, he broke God's law. I would hate to be him when I'm standing in front of God someday. As he already has, because he's passed and gone. But guys, this wasn't that long ago. 1876 was not that long ago. There's so much division in our nation today, and it's a breeding ground for the works of the enemy. My encouragement to you is this don't dehumanize one another or put your freedom over someone else's, because that breaks God's law. I'm proud of us as Americans. I'm proud of, of how far we've come. We've gained a lot of ground in the last few hundred years. Let's not go backwards. When you're correcting an incorrect equation, it doesn't work to only solve a part of the problem. We have to keep working on it. We have to keep moving forward. We cannot let the roots. Um, I was reading uh, Condoleezza Rice wrote this article recently regarding um, black history in the United States. And she referred to slavery, Condoleezza Rice, uh, former Secretary of State under George W. Bush. Um, she wrote that slavery was a birth defect of the United States. But it's one that can be corrected. And I believe we're doing that. And I believe in us and as Americans. And I believe in our founding principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe in us. I believe that at our core, us Americans are good, God-fearing, honest, loving, caring people. And we want to see the best in those around us. I have to have hope. I cannot let despair and pain and hurt and darkness overcome me. I have to have hope that we can and that we will do better. I have to have that hope that we will continue to work to solve these problems that we have. May we commit as followers of Jesus, may we commit to love God with our whole heart, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because it says, Jesus says that all of the prophecies and all of the commandments rest on these two things.
May that, may we use our freedom to lift others up. May we use our freedom to serve God in the best way we know how. That's my encouragement to you today. May God bless you. Have a great day.